0: Remember me. And I was just thinking this morning, you gave us the bread. The bread speaks of your human body. It's bread. And I believe that it also reminds us that Jesus was a man. He was human like you and me. Though he was fully God, he was fully a man, fully human. We, we read in Hebrews chapter 4 that Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. So whenever we are in need, we should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. There we will be treated with undeserved grace, and we will find help he also gave us and lifted up the cup and when he's lifted it up and said take and drink of this remember me again what is it about the cup what is it about the wine we know that in the bible that the wine is a symbol of jesus blood that was shed for us peter in 1 peter 1 says you were rescued from the useless way of life you learned from your ancestors But you know you were not rescued by such things as gold or silver that don't last forever. You were rescued by the precious blood of Christ, that spotless and innocent lamb. So we're going to come to the Lord's table now, and I'm going to encourage you in just a moment to come to either the front table or the back table by the sound booth and to get a little cup of the grape juice and a little piece of the bread. Turn to your seats and we're gonna all partake together. As the worship team begins to sing, go ahead and go. So let's just sing that again. This is a chorus. Lord, I give you my heart. Go ahead and go and get your elements. Thank you,
1: Lord. is that-
0: I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat this, it's my body which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. Do this to remember lift our bread up before the Lord. Lord, we just want to pause this morning and remember that this bread tells us that you understand us, that you are like us, that we are created in your image, and that, Jesus, you are human as well as you are God. Lord, it also reminds us that in your human flesh, you suffered horrible things things as you took the price of sin on your body and paid that price for me. Lord, we take this now and In the same manner, Jesus also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant or agreement in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me or to remember me. For As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim or declare the death of the Lord. our cup of for the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this cup, which tells us again the story that you shed your blood on the cross for me, that it was your blood that washes my sins away, that it cost you your life, that you gave your blood willingly, that I might Celebrate what you did, Jesus. And we remember that you will come again. And we will drink this cup again in your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. Amen. And go ahead and greet one another for a moment. Thank you, worship team. Together, we want to prepare to receive our tithes and offerings this morning. So let's go ahead and have our welcome hospitality team. Come on up. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you for your sweet presence this morning. We do give you our hearts. We ask, Lord, that as we continue to worship in our giving, Lord, that you would take these offerings and that they would be a sweet savor and sweet incense in your your nostrils, Lord, that you would see the heart that we have in giving and trusting um, our finances to you. Lord, we ask that as we sow into your kingdom that you would cause there to be rich harvest. You would take those gifts and multiply them, not just to meet the needs of this house, Lord, but that we can impact and reach, not just this community, but the world. And I just thank you for uh, the missions giving in this church as it's slowly going up as you're working in our hearts about that. And I just thank you, Lord, for what you've got going. And we ask your blessing now in Jesus' name as we give. Amen. John, did you want to say something briefly about your home group, or the group coming up?
1: good morning uh just wanted to put an invitation out to you guys as the church we're gonna we're gonna start a home group it'll be located here in the church on tuesdays beginning in october uh next week i'll bring a flyer it's we're also going to go through another series that john bevere puts out it's on the subject of the holy spirit so i know a lot of people in the church not so much like i'm not referring just our church but churches have a lot of questions regarding the holy spirit who he is his his role in in the church today and as, as believers so uh Invite you if you guys can. It'll be on Tuesday nights. It'll be here at the church. I'll put up a flyer next week, and then we'll have a sign-up sheet. Uh, if you're interested, there is a book. You don't. You're not obligated to purchase it, but it would be beneficial if you would. Um, so yeah. So yeah. Thanks.
0: All right. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. And that will be going a little bit of the time, at least concurrently with the ladies' Philippian studies. You just have to make a choice, or or finish up the one and then jump into the next one. So that'll be good. Well, this morning. I'm excited to be wrapping up a sec the second segment of my series on spiritual gifts. We've been talking about uh, we talked first about the gifts that God gives each one of us individually when we are born. He wires us or sets our DNA, however you want to describe it, in a way that we have particular motivations or particular bents towards different things. Some of us like to teach, some of us like to to just do things with our hands or or make things, or sing, some of us like to uh, have just a heart to give and invest, some of us have a heart to lead people, to be out in front, um, there's seven of those mentioned in Romans chapter 12, and uh, for those of you that haven't taken the assessment on that, of which you're strongest at, I encourage you to grab these last two, and I'll get more, but I've got a couple of these up front here for the uh, spiritual gifts assessment, for those gifts what we call the motivational gifts. The second series that we've been talking about are the gifts that are actually people that God gives to the church. We read in, um, we're actually going to look at that verse in just a minute, the, actually the next, next slide, Dale. Um, Jesus actually, we're told, gave the church, when he rose from the dead, a bunch of gifts. He gave them apostles, gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And we've been looking at what those different, we call, offices are in the body. We talked about the apostle. It's not some kind of a mythical uh, person that, that, like the Apostle Paul. Really, the Apostle Paul was a great example because he went out, and the word apostello means to be sent out with a mission. It's like an ambassador. He goes to a new land and opens up and starts business there. And apostles start the church or take the church to new areas where the church has never been before or new people groups. The prophet, we talked about, is a person that God raises up that usually has the gift of prophecy to start with. But the their, their prophet is not all about giving prophetic words. That may happen in their lives, but that may often be a very small part. They're really about hearing God's heart for direction and bringing direction and also speaking the things of God to the body that are on the heart of the Lord. And we talked about the prophet. We talked about Silas and Barnabas, and, and uh, we talked about Agabus and different ones. Then we talked last week about the evangelist. We talked about Philip. We talked about the evangelist as the one that has such a passion for people to know Jesus and come into the church, and they actually operate in the local church, but they operate on the fringes of it. Because their heart is to be in the community. They're kind of like one foot in the church, one foot building relationships with people who don't know Jesus. And that we have a number of people that responded and said, wow, that was me last week. So, so that was these last few weeks. And today I'm going to talk about the last two in this group, the pastor or shepherd and the teacher. Again, these are gifts that Jesus gave and gives to the church. It's a gift to us. And so um, I'm excited about the fact that we're hoping to see developed all of these five within our local church as we go along and grow in Christ. And what is the purpose of those, again, that scripture that's up there? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Who's supposed to do the work of ministry? The saints, right. We, the pastor, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist. We're to be the ones that equip you. We're like the coach that's equipping the football team. How many of you have ever seen a coach go out and try to catch the ball on the field during a game? It doesn't work too well. If he did that, he'd get fined, wouldn't he, Troy? Big time. (laughs) By the way, go Huskers yesterday, huh? Great way to start the season. So today I want to talk about the gift of pastors or shepherds and teachers. The shepherd... And if you have your handout today, you can fill in the blanks on these. It should help you, and you can take it home, and um, it will help you retain what the Lord is saying. The, the, the word shepherd and the word pastor are interchangeable, because that's where the word pastor comes from. It comes from the, the Greek word for shepherd, which is the word poimen. Funny sounding word to us English speakers. It possibly comes from a root that means to protect, To protect. And that really kind of does summarize the essence of a pastor. And I got a picture of a a pastor in there from the Middle East. Isn't that cool looking? Holding that little lamb. Maybe it's a goat, I can't tell. (laughs) So, next slide. The cool thing is, is that, again, these five gifts all reflect a piece of God's heart. God is an apostle. Jesus is called the apostle of our faith. God is a prophet. Jesus is a prophet. God is an evangelist. He's sending good news. God is a pastor or shepherd. God is a teacher. And um, we see in Genesis um, 49 that we read that Joseph's arms were made strong by the powerful one of Jacob. By the name of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. There's God being named as a shepherd. In Isaiah 40:11, this is... Uh, how many of us have, uh, enjoy singing the Handel's Messiah at Christmas season? I do. I love it. It's an incredible piece of music, and, the, and it's so powerful, and it's from the Scripture. And one of the verses in Handel's Messiah is this one. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them close to his heart. He will be gentle in leading those that are with young. So God's heart is as a shepherd to us. Of course, we see that in Jesus' life. Some of you were raised in churches that memorized the Lord's Prayer, excuse me, and Psalm 23, the shepherd's psalm when you were kids. How many of you could say, yeah, I memorized that when I was a kid? A bunch of us, good. And uh, if I had us repeated, it'd all come out, at least with me in King James English, but I want to read it. This is New King James. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Why don't you guys read it with me? It's right there, okay? Let's start from the top. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that wonderful? Do you take comfort from that psalm like I do? I have preached on this psalm probably two or three times. Every time I do, I get more out of it. I just love it. And it's just a good thing to remember that our Father is our shepherd, too. Jesus is our shepherd. You know, Jesus used this shepherd and sheep metaphor a lot a whole lot in his parables and just in general and just one little quote there John 10 verse 11 I am the good shepherd the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep did Jesus do that? did he give his life for his sheep? he did it's kind of funny to think about us being sheep isn't it? how many of you guys have ever been around sheep? some of you? They're really intelligent creatures, aren't they, Rosie? <laughs> Not necessarily, right? If one sheep is going the wrong way, they'll all follow that sheep. In. So there's a wonderful book called um, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by, I think it's Joseph Keller. And uh, great, great book. It talks about all the ways that we are like sheep and how the shepherd works with us. And I learned so many things from that story reading that book who we really are. And so it's, a, it's an apt analogy, and I'm so glad Jesus is a good shepherd. <laughs> um, Jesus gives us, God gives us, what, are, what we call under-shepherds. So, and those are people in our lives that he delegates authority to, to be shepherds, to care for his sheep. And, um, of course, a great example of that was David, King David, who before he was king was a shepherd, right? Shepherd, And uh, we read um, in 2 Samuel 5, 2, When Saul was our king, you, David, were the one who led Israel in and out, or out and in. The Lord said to you, You will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. You will be a ruler over Israel. We read more about David in Psalm 78, 71. He brought him from caring for the sheep, David, and, and their lambs, to being the shepherd of Jacob. Jacob's in a term For the nation of Israel, of Jacob, his people, and Israel who belongs to him. And then in the New Testament, we read about New Testament pastors being referred to as shepherds by the apostle Peter. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, care for the flock of God entrusted to you, and when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. I'll tell you what, I'm looking for that crown. God has entrusted me as a shepherd at Calvary with caring for this flock, equipping this flock, leading this flock. And when I think about that, it's both scary and sobering, but it's also a joy. Because when I see Jesus working in the lives, your lives, it just makes me so excited. And I hear so many wonderful answers to prayer and see so many people experiencing God in wonderful ways, and it makes me just have joy inside about being a shepherd, being a pastor. Are there times that are difficult? Oh, yeah. There are really some very, very hard times. The Apostle Paul said, I think in Second Corinthians, that who doesn't fall into sin and my heart burns inside of me? There are times when I see God's people get grabbed by the wolf and they fall into sin or deception and I see them fall off their wagon whatever their wagon happens to be and it hurts deeply and I feel it very deeply but then the Lord encourages me plus many many times the Lord restores those people and we see them get going again because God is so faithful to stay on us I want to talk about the shepherd's job. There's five things in particular that I see that a shepherd's called to do First of all, he's called to lead the flock, lead the sheep. Numbers 27:17. 17, um, Let this man lead them out and bring them in. Then the people of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. Okay, in Hebrews 13, in the New Testament, we read these two, two, two verses. Remember those who rule, lead, or govern over you, who have spoken the word of the Lord to you, whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. As those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So the first thing that as a shepherd is responsible to do is to lead the sheep. And where does he want to lead the sheep? He wants to lead them deeper into the Lord, Right? He wants to lead them into a closer walk with God. He wants to lead them into fruitfulness. One of the reasons we're doing the series on spiritual gifts is helping you discover your giftings, your callings, and begin to walk in those so you can be fruitful. So when you stand before Jesus, like I'm going to do, he'll go, wow, look at all the things that I did through your life. Because you made yourself available. you, you grew and developed in your understanding of what I had put inside of you. You let it come out, and you began to use that to bless and minister to people in my name. God wants every one of us in this house to have a ministry, not necessarily a paid, professional ministry, but a ministry to our neighbors, our family, our friends, the people God puts in our way, our community. So a couple more verses about the, the shepherd being a leader. John 10, 3 and 4, The sheep listen to the voice of the shepherd. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When the shepherd walks ahead of them, they follow him because they know his voice. And uh, I really believe that voice there isn't just talking about the timber of my particular voice or, or a pastor's voice, but it's the hearing the voice of Jesus that comes through a shepherd that is following Jesus. I believe that as I follow the Lord... I can ask you to follow me. That we just read that verse about consider their conduct, imitate them, imitate their faith. In the Lord, and so I pray that the Lord, and I hope you pray for me that I can lead the sheep, lead the flock well, lead it where Jesus is going, because that's what I want to do. Acts 20 verse 28, Paul says, therefore take heed to yourselves. He's talking to shepherds and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Okay? The second thing that a, a shepherd is called to do is to feed the flock. And I, I, like, I like the picture I put in here. You'll see it in a sec. Jeremiah 3.15, the Lord says, Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will feed you, with much learning and understanding. Ezekiel 34.2 says, Should not the shepherds feed the flock? So are you guys supposed to eat? Yes, you're supposed to eat well, right? So did you see the picture? So am I, the shepherd, supposed to get down in the grass next to you in the field, pull up some grass and stuff it in your mouth? Am I supposed to do that? No. How do sheep eat? They feed themselves, don't they? Where does what does the shepherd do? What is his role in feeding the sheep? Getting them to the right pasture. Saying, here, this is good grass, you can eat that instead of this grass over here's got thistles in it. Or this grass has got mustard seed in it, or whatever, mustard plants, not good. There's lots of range out there that's not healthy for sheep. So a wise and a good pastor is going to lead you to a place where the eating's good, where you'll get strong and healthy and reproduce because you're strong and healthy. So one of the things that I'm leading you to is this series on getting free from offense called The Bait of Satan. And I believe that that's an area that God – this is really interesting. Johnny is the one. Johnny Corson had this on his heart six months ago. He said, Pastor, I just really feel like God's wanting us as a church to do the bait of Satan. He said, I did that years ago, and it impacted my life dramatically. And I began to pray about it, and I prayed and I prayed, and I just felt the nudging of the Lord. And I checked, and they just had come out with a 20-year revised series. And so I thought, perfect timing. I got it on sale. And uh, it's going to be amazing material. It's going to help us as sheep get healthy and grow and be impacting for the kingdom of God. So I often hear people make this statement. Not often, once in a while. I'm going to go to a church where I can be fed better. many people have heard that? Most of us. There is some truth in that. I want to be sure to say that. If a pastor isn't preaching the word of God, and he's, tell, he's preaching psychology or just telling stories, is that really good food? No, that's, that's an inadequate meal. So a pastor needs to be giving you the Word of God right out of the Scripture. That's good food. But a pastor, really, on a Sunday morning, is he giving you enough food for you to eat all week for them, so that you'll, you'll, you'll survive all seven days? No, the pastor's just giving you one meal, Right? Sunday school class is giving you one meal. So you guys, I meet so many believers that love to fast. They fast the word of God 6 days a week. And they only get a food a, a meal on Sunday mornings. That makes sense to you? <laughs> How many of you know some believers that fast most of the week, right? So, so I want to encourage you, the scripture teaches that we would as believers drink the milk of the word. First of all, 1 Peter says, drink the milk of the word. And then in in Hebrews 5 and 6, it says, then learn how to eat the meat of the word. How many of you know the word can be like a juicy steak? The scripture, as you get into it, as you walk with the Lord, and the Holy Spirit is teaching you the word, as you're reading on it and abiding in it, it's incredible. And I pray that every one of us here would be more than just milk, Christians. And milk is important for babies, right? But you don't want to see a, a 10-year-old drinking a bottle, right? So they need to graduate. They need to move up into healthier food for their body. And we all need to do that, too. i got to keep going here. I'm not going to make it. Okay, third thing, shepherds protect. John 10, a good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling who's not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. We know what the wolf does to the sheep. There's a picture of wolves right there, the wolf and the sheep. That's a mean-looking wolf, isn't it? So part of my job is helping you learn how to deal with the enemy. There are wolves. We are dealing with wolves in this area. We have a lot of different influences that are basically – the attempt of the enemy or wolves to come into our midst to impact our lives personally and as a church. And we need to learn how to do it. That's why we talk about spiritual warfare. We talk about the authority of the believer. You guys learning how to use the weapons that God has given you. Learning how to put on the armor of God, right? These are all things that a new believer should be getting down. And us people that have walked with the Lord for many years, this should be just natural for us to do to be wearing the armor of God, to be using the sword of the Spirit. What do you do when you feel like the enemy comes to you and lies to you? Do you just go take it and just kind of go, oh, I wish he'd shut up? Or do you stand in your authority and say, Satan, I command you to get behind me and be gone in Jesus' name? Every one of us needs to learn how to walk in the authority that God has given us. We'll be continuing to periodically go back and talk about that. How to deal with demonic spirits that harass us in our sleep. How to deal with things that come into our homes. How to deal with when we feel slimed because we watched something or saw something. How to deal with the spirits that come in and oppress us. Believers are a threat to the enemy. So the enemy does come. He is our enemy. And Jesus wants us to learn how to walk in victory over the enemy. I could preach a whole message on that one. <laughs> okay, number four. A shepherd seeks the lost. Ezekiel 34, as a shepherd looks for his sheep when they're not together, so I will look for my sheep and I will save them from all the places where they were spread out on a day of clouds and darkness. Then in Luke 15, Jesus said, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? That's pretty... Self-explanatory. I'm not going to belabor, belabor that, but part of my job is going after people that I haven't heard from in a long, long time and finding out what happened. Sometimes it's really, really hard. And uh, as we develop the care ministry that we've been talking about off and on, we're going to—I'm going to have help doing that. So it's just not just me checking on people to see, are you okay? We haven't seen you for a few weeks. Is there anything going on in your family? Are you guys been sick? you lost a job whatever it is that people deal with all kinds of crises in their lives and uh, we really want to be faithful as shepherds and as a church of caring for one another and this is one of those areas that the shepherd leads us in doing the fifth one is a shepherd's called to care and care involves a whole lot of things of course it involves loving people it involves praying and bringing healing whether that's healing physically or healing emotionally or spiritually or uh, relationally, and, and uh, helping just helping people. A couple of verses there, I will have shepherds over them who will care for them. And they will not be afraid any longer or filled with fear, and none of them will be missing, says the Lord. And then Zechariah 11 talks about a foolish shepherd who doesn't care for the dying. He doesn't look for those who were sent everywhere or scattered or heal the hurt, or feed those who are well. First Peter, Peter again, here's that verse I was talking about. It says, Be good shepherds of the flock God has put in your care. Do not care for the flock as because you're made to. Don't care for the flock for money. But do it because you want to. When the head shepherd comes again, you will get a crown of shining greatness that will not come to an end. And then in Matthew 9, we read, Jesus' heart as a shepherd. He saw many people. He had loving pity and some verses say, versions say compassion on them because they were troubled and were walking around everywhere confused basically. They were like sheep without a shepherd. So what are the strengths and weaknesses of pastors? Hmm? I'm sharing some of these from my own experience. First of all, they love people but they can fear disapproval. and and struggle with a fear of rejection. They tend to believe in everybody, and they tend to be optimistic. But they can also be taken in by those who are unscrupulous because they have a big heart to care. Shepherds have great compassion, but they can get sidetracked by all the needs and drawn away from what they need to be doing sometimes. Shepherds love to listen and talk to people, but squeaky wheels can dominate their attention. Wow. They want to see people succeed, but they've got to watch out they don't become enablers. They want to be well thought of, but they can be afraid to speak out the hard things people need to hear. That's why shepherds need to have prophets in their lives. Prophets don't have too much trouble speaking the hard thing. Number seven, they are fo- their focus is helping Christians grow, but they can avoid witnessing to nonbelievers if they're only de- working with Christians. And every shepherd needs to be out of the church as well as in the church. And last of all, they're sensitive and able to help people, but they can also get a Messiah complex and begin to think that somehow they are the answer to people's problems. That doesn't work very well. I know. So some questions here. Oh, well, I'll just second Shepherds need prophets in their lives. They need apostles. They need evangelists. And they need teachers to be balanced. It's one of the reasons why I want to see those areas, those giftings develop in this church. Because if this church is a shepherd-led church, you're going to get the emphases of a shepherd's heart. And you need all those other giftings working. Okay, some questions for you guys to think about. Do you see yourself as a sheep that needs a shepherd, needs the shepherds that God has given to our local church? Who are the shepherds at Calvary? Because it's more than just me. Are, are you personally being led to and eating in green pastures? Who are some of the shepherds who helped you grow as a sheep in your past in God's flock? These are great questions for you to take home and and answer in your own time. When you wander off and your shepherd comes to call you back to the flock, do you listen? (laughs) I'm going to skip to the last one. Do you recognize the challenges your shepherds face? Pray for them and encourage them. We need that. Okay, I'm going to whip through teacher really fast here. Teachers, from the word Greek word didaskalos, which means to learn, from dao, the Greek, Greek verb, the root that means to learn. It makes sense, doesn't it? And teachers are also an extension of Jesus' teaching ministry. Matthew 4.2 and Matthew Mark 1.22 talk about Jesus' teaching, about teaching with authority. People were astonished because of the authority he taught with. They, are, they have to have a gifting for teaching, how many of you have tried to have heard somebody try to teach that couldn't teach? It's pretty obvious, but a teacher generally has that ability to research and put truth together and to make things understandable. And it talks about a guy named Bezalel in Exodus that God particularly gifted and anointed to be a teacher in the body of Christ. Or back then, it was the body of Israel. He said He filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and all manner of workmanship, and He's put in his heart the ability. And then teachers also have to go through preparation to be effective. Ezra talks about prepared his heart to seek the Lord. And David in Psalm 78, 72 says that he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hands. So not only was it a heart thing, it was a skill thing. That's why we encourage people that have a call to be a shepherd or a teacher to go to Bible college, to get the training that they need to be able to be effective. I've been talking with some of our people that are taking classes. My son, Jeremy, the missionary in Okinawa, he's got two classes left. He's just took 14 classes in a row. He is tired of studying. (laughs) So a shepherd also has to have, I mean, excuse me, a teacher also has a servant's heart. All the leaders of God have to have a servant's heart. But Jesus said in John 13, 14, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. So this is not about me, it's about you. And I'm learning, I'm following Jesus and ministering the word to you so that you can grow, but I do it so you will grow and develop in the Lord. First Peter 5, uh, Peter said, Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your good example. Also, teachers have an accountability that's stricter, right? James chapter 3. My brothers, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. If, you, if you're excited about becoming a teacher, that'll slow you down a little bit as you think about that. You've got to stand before Jesus and account for the words that you're teaching people. I look back when I was a young, new pastor in my 20s, 30s, and think about some of the things I said, and I cringe I said some things that I thought I knew that I later on realized that wasn't quite exactly scriptural. <laughs> and I've had to, I, when I've had an opportunity to go back and apologize to people and say, that's not, that wasn't right. And so I know that I have to stand before the Lord, and that's very sobering. So what's a teacher supposed to teach? 1 Samuel 12, we read Samuel saying, who's a prophet and a teacher, I will teach you the good and the right way. And then later Ezekiel says, They shall teach my people the difference between holy and unholy and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. So a teacher's role, obviously, is teaching Scripture, is to help people learn how to walk with God and how to understand how to grow and develop and knowing who the Lord is, how to walk in his ways. Acts 15, we read Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So that's all of the scriptures. The word of the Lord's a term that means all the scriptures that the Jewish people used, as well as the things that Jesus taught in those days, because the New Testament was just forming in those times. In Acts 28, Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house, received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So Paul particular emphasis teaching the kingdom of God and about the things about Jesus, what he did, his ministry, what he said, what he taught, who he is. And so that's why much of what I teach is going to be about who Jesus is, what Jesus did, what Jesus said, what the word of God teaches. And then in Mark 7, we don't want to do this. In vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. So if you ever hear me teach something that's not in the Scripture, that's a commandment of men, let me know. I don't want to do that. So who can be taught? Real quickly, the humble, those that fear the Lord, Psalm 25, and in Psalm nine, Proverbs 9, a wise man, teach a wise man or give instruction to him and he'll be wiser still. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. So you want to be really good at at being able to receive everything you can get from the Lord, from a teacher that God raises up. Humble yourself, fear the Lord, walk wisely. You'll be able to receive much more. What are strengths and weaknesses of teachers? First, they know the Scripture. And I've always been called a walking concordance by my wife. And it's not to become a thing of pride. And that's the downside of that. It can become a thing of pride. But when I was a brand new believer, the first verse that I memorized was Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11. And in the King James, it says, Wherefore can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's King James. That's the way I learned it back in 1978. But you know what? That word has worked in my life, I've let the Word of God continuously affect me and cleanse me and wash me and transform me. And now my life and my mind and my heart and my memory are full of God's Word. Not enough, that's for sure. I'm amazed at how much of God's Word I still don't know. But the amount that God has poured into me as I have soaked in His Word has radically changed my life and I came out of, you know, I mentioned to you kind of pornography addiction when I was a young man and I was, when I came to God it was, Jesus, my mind is a mess and he has just poured into me and transformed my thoughts and thinking so much so one of the strengths is that I know the word but the alternate weakness is that so I can be proud that I know the word, so I've got to watch out for that Secondly, I can make the Bible understood. Teachers are gifted to make the Scripture understandable. But they can also think that teaching God's Word is the answer to everything. Brooke says sometimes to me when I'm, she has she proposes or brings up to me a problem, and I immediately think of Scriptures, and I want to go and sit down and just tell those people the Scriptures. She goes, you know, it's going to take more than just teaching it. you got to actually sit down and talk with them and, Listen and do this and do that, and so a teacher can think that teaching will solve everything. And that's not always true. Thirdly, teachers are usually very objective, but they can, but they can become distant. They can kind of come become kind of like Spock on Star Trek. Have you ever met a teacher that he knew the word and everything, but he just was not a very personable person? And that's a weakness a teacher can, can fall into. They can just become so absorbed in Scripture and in learning and stuff that they kind of don't develop the social, relational side of things. And so that's an area they got to watch. Number four, they love studying the Bible, but they can end up, because of that, hide from relationships, kind of related to the previous one. They are convinced the Scripture has the answers, but if they can't figure out what those answers are in the Scripture, they might avoid situations when they need to get involved and just pastor people through stuff. And finally, they love to study constantly, but they often have a hard time praying. That's true. God has helped me develop as a prayer, but for most of my Christian life, when I would do devotions, devotions meant opening the Bible and studying. It didn't mean praying. And I have, God has led me, in the last 15, 20 years in particular, into becoming an intercessor and a prayer warrior that I've had to learn to shut my Bible and trust that what was in there, the Holy Spirit could take and use, and he would lead me in my prayers. And he often brings scriptures to mind when I'm praying. But I found that I have a whole life of prayer that fits hand in glove with the scripture. Teachers need prophets. Teachers need apostles. Teachers need evangelists. And they need shepherds in their lives. So are you praying for your leaders? So this morning, to close, I want to just quickly through some application questions on teachers. Do you recognize the need to be taught God's word in your life? What kind of an attitude do you need to be able to receive from the teachers in our body? Are you a teachable person? want to hasten to say there are times when I have not been very teachable. Attitude is everything, right? Do you see a need to be able to discern between holy and unholy? Clean and unclean, especially on the media, the social media these days? Boy, the stuff on the internet, there's all kinds of stuff flowing through. We need to be taught and develop discernment. Who are the teachers at Calvary? Got a whole bunch. A bunch of them going at it right now including Johnny, who's teaching the uh, Calvary next middle school age kids. What teachers besides Calvary's pastors do you receive from? How many of you listen to Bible teachers outside of the church, local church here, on the the radio, computer? Good, you need to be. And you need to make sure it's not always just one person. You need to have a varied diet, okay? You need to listen to people like John Bevere. You need to also listen to people like Bill Johnson or Chris Ballatin or different ones. There are wonderful teachers out there, and I listen to Dr. David Jeremiah sometimes. I listen. There's some wonderful teachers. There's some great Baptist teachers, assemblies teachers, non-denominational teachers. You need to have a very diet, and you'll also learn to understand what the differences are between them if you do that. So, we again, finally, we offer classes for people to grow in the Lord, and we have wonderful teachers. And again, we'll be starting our adult Sunday school class up this next Sunday. So we got through it, and it's noon. I can't believe I made it. And uh, I want to close by just encouraging you this morning, if you have a need for prayer, a physical need, a healing need, an emotional need, an encouragement need, uh, just need prayer, or whether you're also asking, trying to to figure out what your spiritual gifts are. uh, We're going to have some folks up front here. Terry, do you want to come up? And anybody else that's on? The prayer team, come on up and we'll be ready to pray for you in just a moment as I close in prayer. So I hope I see a lot of names on the clipboards that went around. and uh, I'm excited about um, the John Bevere Bait of Satan starting Wednesday night and Sunday morning and to see what God does. Again, we're going to be having a special service September 30th. It's a Monday night. Is that right, Terry? I think it is September 30th. It's a Monday night and we're going to be as a congregation coming and doing some spiritual warfare to deal with the spirit of offense that we felt like has particularly had a stronghold in this church for many years. So let's close in prayer. Lord God, I thank you for your people. I thank you that you and your love for us have given us gifts, Lord. You've put apostles in our lives, prophets in our lives, evangelists in our lives, shepherds and teachers in our lives. All along the way, in our walk with you. Lord, help us to recognize these gifts, to value them, to realize that they're not perfect, they're going to be human, and not to place the same expectations we place on you. Lord, I thank you and ask that you would help us to receive the gifts you've given us, to honor them, to pray for them, to pray for our leaders. And Lord, that we would increasingly as a church, a local church in this community, become healthy and increase in our impact kingdom of God. Lord, we want to see you move powerfully throughout this um, community, throughout this region. Lord, we thank you for the many other churches that are preaching the word of God this morning. who love you and we thank you for our brothers and sisters. I pray, Father, that you would help me as a current president of the Ministerial Association as we start out again here this next week in our first meeting of the year. I just thank you for your faithfulness and the good things you're doing here Lord, I pray that any um, this morning who don't know you would come up and be prayed for and be introduced to you, Jesus. And if there are those, Lord, that have other needs, Lord, I pray you'd meet them powerfully. We just thank you for this day and the opportunities we have ahead. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.